was feeling kind of nervous Not sure how to put this, but you're all the right things at the wrong time Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net. And be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to now hear this entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. In addition to what's listed there, though, the show is also on the likes of Overcast, Himalaya, Podcoin, Player FM, and more. Joining me today on location here in the greater Tampa Bay area, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player whose new album was recently released. She has been on TV, radio, and podcasts talking about it, and her new songs have been getting aired in the U.S. and Canada. She is extremely active performing live shows. This month alone, she has 31 bookings. And keep in mind that June has 30 days. She has performed at the NAMM show in California, as well as at various venues in Louisiana and in more than 30 cities here in Florida. You've been hearing a song of hers entitled Something Else. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Frankie Ray. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to finally get you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's start off by having you tell the listeners all about the song of yours that we were just playing that I was rudely talking over called (laughs) Something Else. That's actually one of my favorite songs on the new record. I wrote it in a different tuning. It's my first time kind of Mm. playing around with different tunings and guitar. I wrote it uh, in Dad Gad. So if anyone who plays guitar knows what that means, it's basically I'm not using the standard form of tuning to get kind of a a much different sound. Um, But the song... I, I try to stay away from relationship songs, but I also throw them in there every now and again just because, you know, people can relate to them. So that song is mostly about having feelings for someone that you might should that you probably shouldn't have feelings for at the moment, whether it's because of a work situation or, you know, something getting a little messy in there like, oh, well, we shouldn't, you know, we work together, so we shouldn't really we should try to keep it professional. So that's kind of what that song is about. When you talked about the tuning that you did, how did that come to be? Oh, that's a great story. Um, I was playing at a little uh, venue, a little restaurant in Siesta Key, and I packed up my guitar and I was breaking down because the show is over. And this woman came up and she said, oh, I'm really upset that I missed the show. I wanted to hear some live music tonight. I play music as well. So I sat down and I talked with her. I told her when I'd be returning to the same venue and she breaks out her little guitar it was a little baby taylor and she said yeah i've been playing in this new tuning that i you know someone taught me it's called dad gad and i was like i've never heard of that Uh i mean a lot of seasoned guitar players know about it but i was still just kind of starting out so she told me oh it's the way you tune the strings she's like tune it instead of standard tuning tune it like this and I played it, and I was like, wow, this is incredible. This just sounds- see the way Frankie's eyes just opened up when she said that. <laughs> I was like, this sounds so pretty. I can't wait to start writing in this different way, you know? So it was really cool. But so, you know, it's like a kid on Christmas with a new toy that, like, that's all they want to play with. So how do you, as a songwriter, not get too carried away where you get really excited about that tuning and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm writing too many songs in this tuning. How do you... 
yeah, make that divide. Just just discipline. I, I started writing a few other songs, but they kind of are all starting starting to sound the same because while I could play some chords in that tuning, I can't play a whole lot of chords in that tuning because I, you know, haven't become that seasoned yet in my guitar playing. So um, a lot of my songs were starting to kind of sound the same. So I said, all right, well, let me just use it, you know, sparingly. I'll just do the standard tuning and write that way. But does it lend itself to, I wonder what other tunings are out there that I don't know about? And maybe you do seek out a seasoned guitar player to ask him or her yeah. what else is out there? Yeah, I've actually asked a few other guitar players what tunings they use. And I'm still working with different things because you have to think... Um, about being practical. So I love playing those songs. I love playing something else on stage, but I either have to bring a second guitar with me that is already in that tuning, or I just have to tune it on stage, which kind of, if I write too many songs in a bunch of different tuning styles, well, when I'm playing them live, that means that I'm going to have to take about, you know, two or three minutes in between songs to tune, which doesn't seem like a long time, but it is when you're just watching someone perform and then that's dead air for three minutes, you know? Yeah, and you have to get very skilled in the art of talking while you tune yeah. and accomplishing what you need to, but at the same time, making sure that the audience realizes like, I'm trying to talk to you, but I'm also filling time because there's yeah. something that I'm needing to accomplish that y'all don't really need to know about. Yeah. And it probably gets that way for you as a live performer, just mm-hmm. as it relates to some of the different things that you are doing on stage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, there's a joke that I, I say whenever I do play something else, or there's another song on the album called For You um, that I originally wrote on guitar in that same tuning. And if I play those songs live, I'll, I'll tune and I'm looking down at my tuning pedal, but I'm also talking in the mic. And usually sometimes I'll make a joke and I'll say, I know I'm I'm kind of rambling right now, but that's because I'm trying to tune at the same time so you guys aren't just listening to me tune. So I'm just going to continue talking to you, and then I'll just start saying random stuff. You know, like, oh, I'm here every other Tuesday, by the way, or, oh, thanks for coming out. <laughs> I hope everyone's enjoying their food. Yeah, listeners, uh, go back and listen to episode 233 when I interviewed Megan Davies on location in Nashville when I was there for the Summer NAM show. She was talking about the same thing where the night before I had seen her perform and she was trying to do a lot of tuning on stage and was going through that whole dance of, should I tell the audience that I'm trying to just change the tuning and this gets clumsy and it gets awkward and I have to talk? Mm -hmm. So uh, listeners, go back and check out episode 233 and listen to Megan talk about that. You may know her. She's very popular on YouTube. Anyhow, Frankie, so we've gotten off track here from from having talked about the song called Something Else. But congrats on the new album, which is called Brave. I don't want to steal your thunder, so tell the listeners all about it. How many songs are on it, where you recorded it, who produced it, and so on. Uh, I I started recording Brave in um, August of 2018. That's when I started started recording the new record. Um, However, I had been writing songs for a couple years before that. Um, I got so busy with performing that I was kind of becoming lazy with songwriting. So that's why it did take a couple years to actually start making the new record after my first one. But um, it was just a collection of songs that, you know, I had been writing over the past couple years. Um, I recorded it uh, at my friend Joe Kosas's house, who's incredible. He's pretty well known in the Tampa area. Um But the title track, Brave, is a song that's really important to me. It's kind of, you know, 
it's about a lot of different issues, but I'm, I'm really interested in, you know, social issues and bringing positivity to the world when you turn on the news and there's so many awful things that happen. And listeners, we are going to play that song for you in its entirety. So stick around at the end of the show and Frankie will talk more about that yeah. song and you'll get to hear the whole thing. The uh, number of songs on it, was Joe the producer, yeah. those types of things. Yeah, there are eight tracks. Um, of course, it's all original music. Joe Kosas was the producer. Um, he just brought the songs to a place that I didn't know where they could go. I would I would bring the song in, and I'd start playing it for him, and he'd say, oh, this, this sounds like it needs an accordion. So then he'd go grab an accordion. Wow. He owns literally wow. like every instrument, and he's, oh, let's add accordion for this, or oh, you know, I think a uh, trombone would sound good. Oh I have one. I have one in my spare room. Let me go grab <laughs> And then he'd just start playing the trombone. I'm like, how many instruments can you play? Like, what? That's, I mean, he knows music in and out. So he was the producer. Uh, we recorded it at his house studio. Um, there were eight tracks. Most of them were newer songs that I had written. There's one track called Riches that I wrote years ago, but I just never did anything with it. And again, Joe being the musician that he is heard, I played the song Riches and I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to include this one or not. And he's like, oh, I think you should. Let me grab my banjo. Let me grab my mandolin. Amazing. <laughs> like, Amazing. We actually, uh, I went out to, I had an idea to add kazoos. Because it's just that kind of song. So I actually went to the Target down the street and bought kid kazoos. Oh, my gosh. And we just added those. I mean, we were clinging pots and pans on that track. And there's I'm, just I'm cool interested stuff. in the story that you're talking about as far as riches. Because just explain to the listeners how that happens, that there's a song that you wrote a long time ago. What has to happen to make a song come from way in the past and make it on to an artist's album that they're releasing so many years after they wrote a song? Sometimes it could be just linking up with the right musician who has maybe kind of a different vision for the song who says, oh, I think maybe, you know, like when he grabbed the mandolin, he's like, I think this will sound really cool if we layer all the strings on it and all that stuff. So, um, but what made you even go back to that song to begin with? I just, I was looking through old songs that I hadn't done anything with. And I, I love the lyrics for that song. Okay. Um, I love, okay. I love what the song is about. Um, it's kind of about, you know, you might not have a lot of money, but that, you know, money doesn't mean everything, especially in love and with friendships and things. So that's kind of what the song was about. So I really loved the message, but I just didn't think I could do much with it because it just, I wasn't hearing it in my ear. Sometimes I can hear what I want it to sound like in my head or in uh -huh. my ear, but I just wasn't connecting with the song. Um, but I was in the studio one day and, you know, I was kind of, deciding between a couple older songs you know because i i want to do something with it if i can with my songs yeah. i don't ever want to just leave it untouched i mean sometimes that just happens but for this song it just worked he, he brought out the instruments and it, it worked and listeners i had to tell you when i first asked frankie to talk about the album itself she lit up like <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it looked like a new mom that just <laughs> had their first child. Yeah. I mean, you just got this glow about you when I asked you about it. Yeah. And, and I imagine that in a sense, as a recording artist, that's what it feels like yeah. when your album finally comes out. It's like, look at my new child. Yeah, it was the most bittersweet thing that I had really experienced recently because I was... I got so in love with the recording process and going to the studio and then we became really close and we'd go out, you know, for lunch whenever we would take a break and just so many awesome things. And But at the same time, I would hear 
the tracks when our session was over and I'd be like, man, I can't wait for it to be finished. I can't wait. This is going to sound so good. So you want it to be done. But then I remember the last recording session. I was just really, really sad. (laughs) I was excited that everything was pretty much done. Just had to get it mastered. But I was like, man, well, now I'm not going to be able to come here once a week. And, you know, (laughs) it's kind of ironic because most artists are anxious to get their music out. And I'm thankful I'm finally finished. But you're saying that it's kind of both. Yeah, I am excited that it's finished, but. I'm sad that it's finished. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's extremely bittersweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, this show has gotten listeners from 147 countries around the world, which means that a lot of listeners are just being introduced to you and your music. So when they go looking for your new album on iTunes, they're going to also see your 2016 album called A Thing or Two About a Dream. What changes would they be interested in knowing about from one album to the next in terms of your songwriting, style of music, that type of thing? Um, So my first album, A Thing or Two About a Dream, was definitely my first time recording in a studio with other musicians. Um, So that was a really fun experience. But, I mean, I guess you're your own worst critic. I look back at that album and I'm not happy with it because I... I've grown so much as a songwriter and I've played with so many other musicians too and I've just gotten so many different ideas and just things of how to structure a song, you know, like, oh, um, try to, you know, make the chorus a little bit more different from the verse because I I used to have this habit of all my songs kind of sounded the same all the way through. I didn't really have a lot of dynamic because I was still growing, you know. So when I listen to those songs, they just sound, you know, to me... Very young, <laughs> I guess, okay. is the way you describe it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, in just a minute, we're going to talk about all the massive amount of live performances that you do. But first, while we're talking about your original music, and you started to allude to this a little bit before, but how do you find time to create new music when you're constantly out playing live all the time? That is the million-dollar question, because I'm still learning the answer to that myself. Um, I notice what I've started doing is treating songwriting just like a job, like my shows. So, you know, if I look at my calendar, I say, oh, I have to play tonight at 5 o'clock, so i got to be there by 4 o'clock, so i got to leave by 3 o'clock. Well, I'm going to set my alarm then for 9 o'clock and wake up, and I'm going to block out at least a couple hours of just sitting with my guitar jotting out ideas you know and songwriting because it's an art form a lot of people think it you know it just has to come to you and oh when the when you find the inspiration you'll find the time and it's like sometimes if you're busy you got to think of it more uh from a practical standpoint you know I'm going to actually set an alarm and treat it like I'm going to work that day see I like that answer because I feel like the overwhelming majority of the songwriters that I've interviewed on Now Hear This Entertainment where I have said, talk about the songwriting, mm-hmm. I feel like most of them do say, oh, I just the ideas just come to me when I'm driving down the road or when I'm sitting and watching a movie or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'll grab my insert device here and sing a lyric idea into it or sing a hook or a melody or whatever, and... And I think it's rare and it's refreshing to Mm -hmm. hear someone that says, no, I literally block out time and say, I'm going to song right now, which personally, I feel that it's better because you are forcing yourself to do it. Because if you just wait and wait and wait, what if you go through this dry spell where nothing's hitting me? And because I'm always out playing at places, I do go through dry spells where I just, I'm so busy. I don't even think about 
lyrics or music or you know things like that so i have to i mean even i heard ed sheeran say that he did that when he first got signed before he became famous he said he was treating it like a job (laughs) so (laughs) he was was scheduling yeah he i heard him in an interview he said i was you know waking up early setting my alarm and then i was treating my songwriting like a job give myself a lunch break and (laughs) you know wow yeah wow yeah and a little bit of NHTE trivia, listeners, if you never heard it, go back and listen to episode 217, which was with Preston Reed, and Preston Reed taught Ed Sheeran how to play guitar, so that's a little bit of yes. trivia that you can hear him talk about. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about it, but mm-hmm. we did certainly touch on it, but I love that you're bringing out that even the pros like yeah. him do it, because I think so many people do say... It is an art, and it's a creative juice, a creative energy that you have to feel in the moment. But for someone like yourself that's playing and playing and playing, Mm -hmm. you're used to playing the same songs over and over to the point where there's no room in your show to all of a sudden just start noodling around and go, ooh, wait a minute, I think I'm onto something here. I like this. Let me get something and record this because people are sitting there waiting for you to play your next song. Yeah. And there's no opportunity for you to say, hold on, folks, I'm having a creative moment. Yeah. They, they don't want to hear that. No, not you know, at and, all. And this you could do, I'm, I'm pointing to our notebook, this you could do <laughs> yeah. in your in the privacy of your own home and say, okay, here we go. I'm sitting down. But yep. I still imagine, though, that as great as it sounds, because mm-hmm. I know the listeners are going, well, wait a minute, you could, putting it on your calendar is one thing and sitting down to do it. But in those two hours, what if the creative juices aren't flowing? Yeah, I've experienced that. I've experienced, um, and then I usually just kind of turn to writing down ideas for songs, maybe not a song itself, or I'll go on YouTube and try to discover some new songwriter that I hadn't heard before, or change up the tuning while I'm sitting Uh, there to see what I can think of, and then maybe I'll get a melody, and then, you know. I like it. I like it. But that's good. That's encouraging, because I think most people would sit there and say, I've been sitting here for... 12 and a half minutes and nothing has come to me yeah. I'm walking away yeah you can't just yeah you find find other ways to be inspired you know it's it's training your it's training your craft training your ability yeah absolutely Frankie and I are on location today recording with my Tascam DR44WL which is a handheld recorder that's great for getting song ideas into among other uses she and I have Tascam TM60 microphones that are XLR'd into it, even though it has built-in microphones on it. And as always, I'm wearing my Tascam headphones. And by the way, on the Now Hear This YouTube channel, you might have seen the unboxing video when I had gotten the Tascam TH07 headphones. Well, there are even newer ones now, the TH05s. The list goes on. So many great recording solutions. I'm going to say for the independent artists, but even for the nationally known touring pros and Everyone's using stuff from them from beginner to advanced. Check it all out at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. So, Frankie, I mentioned it in the intro, but wow, this month alone mm-hmm. you've got 31 bookings in a month that has 30 days. I, I don't even know <laughs> what my question is. I think it's just amazing. And, and Thank you. Well, maybe not 31 bookings in a 30-day month, but... This has pretty much been the norm for quite some time now, Mm -hmm. meaning playing well over 20 dates a month. Yeah. uh, Since I became full-time in December of 2015, uh, pretty much every month has been. Maybe for the first year it started out with maybe, you know, 17 bookings a month, but now it's definitely been around 20 to 25 on average for sure. And obviously if people are doing the math, they're saying, well, wait a minute, 31 bookings in a 30-day month. 
you do mm-hmm. actually have a couple days off here and there, which yeah. means that you're doing a lot of doubles. Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, usually on the weekends, Saturdays or Sundays, I'll, you know, people have live music from noon to or during their brunch hour. But then, of course, at night, there's always, you know, people wanting music. And a lot of the nighttime places are, you know, places that I've been playing for years. There's been a few new places that have popped up that have contacted me that want me to do their brunch you know, early hour or whatever. So do you happen to remember the first time that the idea of a double ever came up? I do. Yeah. Um, I was playing with a duo partner who for a while he and I were pretty much doing gigs together all the time. I wasn't doing a lot of solo shows. We were kind of starting to build our music together. Um, and he was reaching out to people and I was reaching out to people and, he actually said, oh, well, this place in Bradenton, we could play 10 to 2 there. Um, and then that'll leave us time to do our night gig that we already have scheduled. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, OK, I thought, you know, day at the beach and then a day and, t- you know, that's fine. So but there was a time um, where I was doing a lot of triples even 10 to 2. So I do 10 to 2 at this one place in Bradenton and then 3 to 6 at this place right across the corner, like right around the way. And then a 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. That, but that oh was because gosh. it was my first time being a full-time musician. Oh yeah. And, and I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I, I usually I don't do triples unless one of them is like, you know, an hour showcase or something yeah. like that. Um, but I, I don't do triples anymore. It's just too much <laughs> on the voice. But you've done so many of them, I take it, that you're not even phased anymore by the idea of, of doing a double? No. In fact, I've kind of scaled some of them back. You know, there's a few places that have tried to book me and... I said, oh, well, I think I'm going to, you know, not take these few gigs that you're offering me. Thank you, though, Um, because it's just I take care of my voice when I do those. I I use a vocal steamer and I drink throat coat tea and, you know, lots of water. And, you know, I take care of my voice, but I guess I I need to do more research on the long term effects of you know, singing that much, what it well, can do. <laughs> and as much as you can do those things that you mentioned for your voice, you can't do a whole lot for your fingers. Yeah. And playing the guitar for what amounts to, you might as well call it eight hours. I know mm-hmm. there's breaks in there, but give me a break, listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to play the guitar for eight hours and then to know you're not going to get a rest because you have to play again the next day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, my fingers now are pretty much, they're so callous that I don't even notice it. Um, but I do know I, I used to have some wrist problems. I would wrap a bandage around it um, to keep or like a gauze or just something to, you know, reduce some of the pain. But um, I think now I'm just used to it. Now my hand doesn't hurt anymore. And I do stretches and stuff. A few guitarists have taught me some stretches to do for keeping your wrist from hurting, wow. you know, and keeping the action really low on your guitar. That's an important thing. I take it in every couple months to get it, you know lowered to where I'm not putting a lot of stress on my fingers and wrists. And then there's the mm-hmm. other instrument, which is very important, which becomes your car because yeah. of all the driving that you have to do. And, yeah. I, and we don't really talk about that, but you better have a darn reliable car. Oh, yeah. Because when you have that many booked in that many days, you can't afford to be without a vehicle for, you know, if the shop tells you it's going to be three days until we can get the part. Yeah. And that's going to be another day when we get it to do the labor. Yeah. You're going, you might as well say every day. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really big factor. And, um, a lot of people forget, you know, I know a lot of musicians that were doing great. They were getting booked, but then they had transportation problems and it's, you know, I've been extremely blessed. I was able to get a car with great gas mileage. I'm at like 53 miles per wow. gallon because wow. I know I'm driving. Driving, you know, a lot. 
I'm driving a lot, um, and the car is new, so I was lucky enough to be able to finance and everything, but not everyone has that luxury, so, yeah. 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 Well, I think one of the benefits of being out there so much is that you get to know an awful lot of people, Mm -hmm. and an awful lot of people get to know you. Mm -hmm. Like, musician-wise, you have people you know you can call for when you're not just performing as a solo act, because listeners, Frankie doesn't perform just as a solo act. Mm -hmm. There's different configurations that she performs in but then also venues or other performers call you when there's a cancellation or someone is needed to fill in because Mm -hmm. you have gotten yourself out there so much yeah it's really i'm a big believer in creating a network and getting a team together um when i was actually at nam this past year i was listening to one of the speakers and he was saying, you know, the Beatles didn't make it on their own. They just did it. You have, you know, behind every famous person or behind the face, there's a team of just people. You know, there's other musicians that have maybe given them song ideas. There's there just it's important to network and just get a team, you know, go to other people's shows, get to know them, say, oh, how do you like playing here? Just show your face as much as you can. It's very important. Yeah, because I talk a lot on this show in the weekly blog about the guy or the gal who just sits on their couch, stays in their house, writes songs, never gets out and plays those songs anywhere. Or I guess one step above that is the performer who has one venue that they play at a couple times a month and yet they complain, why can't I get booked anywhere else? Well, what are you doing to put yourself in a position so that more people can see you and you can meet more people? And in your case, your phone is probably ringing a lot. And mm-hmm. similarly, you have so many people that you've connected with that you know you can ring their phone to say, okay, I'm going to need a drummer next Saturday. Yeah. Or, okay, I'm going to need a, a whatever. And I'm going to use the example. The 31 bookings in a 30-day month has benefits above and beyond just getting paid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does. And I that's meeting people and connecting is, is a huge um, there, there's this book that I've been listening to by uh, Jenna Fisher. She's an actress and she wrote a book called The Actress Life. And one of the tips she gives in the book is be a joiner. And she said when she first moved to Los Angeles, she was just sitting on her couch, just submitting herself to auditions. But she wasn't getting out in classes. She wasn't volunteering because she thought she was too good for that. She said, no, I, wow. I have a degree in theater school. I don't need to go sell tickets at the local theater i'm the actress but she didn't realize that in order to be seen she had to do stuff like that volunteer um so even so to to apply that to a musician you may think you're too good to go to someone's open mic because i don't need to go to an open mic because but you don't go to an open mic to get bookings you go to meet people and play and share your music and listen to other people's music yeah work out some of those songs that you have just been sitting at home playing on your couch and say i got to play this out somewhere and see if anybody reacts to it pro or con yeah jenna fisher is she the one from the office yes yeah she was pam on the office yeah it's a great book for musicians so i recommend it even though she's an actress what's it called the actor's life Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, I just wrote a blog about this, by the way. You can find it on the website. Why are some of you surprised when you get contacted for an interview that you submitted for? Be careful. 
I realize you might be pleasantly surprised to get a yes in a business where no or no response is so common. However, when someone is offering you an opportunity, be careful not to come across as, wow, oh my gosh, really? Me? Be confident and thankful, not surprised that someone would actually take an interest in what you're doing. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Frankie, as we all know, every single live performance can't be the best one in terms of a packed venue, selling merch, making great tips, and so on. You have a great story about a recent live performance that you were doing and Lemonade coming from Lemons. Tell the listeners what I'm referring to. Yes, I was playing, uh, it was about a week ago, I was playing at this venue in Port Ritchie and it was really hot outside. It was an outdoor venue, um, beautiful location, but there was no one there. Um, And I actually, people didn't show up until like two hours into the so, show. So when you say there was no one there, you literally mean there was yes, no one there. It was, there was just you. Just me. Even the bartender was hanging out inside because it was so <laughs> hot. And she's like, I guess let me know if you need more water. So I'm like, okay. So I'm literally by myself. And they told me, the the manager said, hey, you know, you don't have to start right away. You know, so I kind of hung out for about 10 minutes. You know, I wasn't really rushing, but I thought, well, let me just go live on Facebook then. So I set up my phone and I said, you know, there's no one here physically, but I can do a live show, which I was kind of due for. I try to do it, you know, at least once a week, I try to go live. So I set my phone up and a bunch of people started viewing. And there's one friend who's also, he plays music too, um, but not full time. He saw, he checked in and he saw that I was live and he was watching for a little bit and he shared the video on his Facebook page. She said, Hey, Frankie Ray's live. Check her out. One of his friends owns a country club in Spring Hill <laughs> and she saw it and was like, Oh, who is that? I'm actually, I, we just opened up our new restaurant at the country club. We're looking for musicians. So who is she? So he sent her a message back, said, Oh, it's Frankie contact her. And I got a message from her. I mean, within the hour saying, Hey, I'd like to talk with you about bookings you know outstanding yeah outstanding i love it that's a fantastic story yeah frankie had emailed me about that and i just thought that's a classic case right there i mean that's a textbook example of what putting yourself out there can do in more ways than one obviously in that case putting yourself on facebook live yeah but thinking on your feet and saying okay wait a minute i'm in this venue where there's nobody here What can I do to make something positive out of this so that I don't get frustrated by the fact that, wow, I'm here and I'm going to be playing for myself until someone finally shows Mm -hmm. up. So that's just that's just tremendous. Yeah, You never know. You never know who's going to be watching and listening. So it's yeah. Make lemonade. (laughs) Yeah, And, you know, there's also something to be said for, like you said, there was a musician friend that was watching. It might be someone who says, oh, wow, Frankie, I need to reconnect with her. And maybe it's someone that you end up writing with or, you know. Like you mentioned before about the lady who taught you about the tuning, Mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden you go, wow, you know, you can't look at the audience and say, these people are just a bunch of citizens who don't know anything about music. Maybe there's a musician in the audience that all of a sudden you end up collaborating with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what advice do you have for the listeners who are young up and coming performers as far as 
making sure that you're having fun and are enjoying the opportunity to perform instead of just looking at it as work and something that you have to do. Because in a case like yours, where you are playing so, so, so much, I, I, can, I can see where it would be very easy to fall into the trap of, I'm going to work. Yeah. And you go, well, wait a minute. Like, this is a privilege. Like, yeah. I get the opportunity to perform almost every day, and I might as well enjoy it while yeah. I'm here. Yeah, and I that is a very difficult thing to overcome because I do sometimes, you know, if if I'm playing the same cover songs over and over at some venues, some venues just want to hear certain genres of music so you know I, I play those same songs and but I think for me you know what helps is finding hobbies outside of music or things to do outside of it to kind of remind you that it's like be thankful that you get to do this every day so for example I substitute teach as well because um, I have a degree in education so I substitute teach you know which that's the day where I get to wake up early I have to I have to drink my coffee I have to dress up I have to go to work I have to be professional but then when I do stuff like that it makes me more thankful that I get to my actual job is going to restaurants or venues and playing music so I tried so for me you know I think that the answer to that question is different for everyone for me it was um, you know maybe once a week or Sometimes I don't have time to even do it once a week, but having something that's bigger than the music, bigger than myself. So substitute teaching is definitely a way to keep me humble and not get bored or burn out with the music. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And I imagine, though, that to some extent, probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the fact that you do perform in different configurations, solo act, duo, etc., probably that change from one show to the next probably does make it a little fresher for you yes as opposed to if all 31 of those bookings in june were all solo acts you yeah. probably go oh gosh this yeah is that's that's actually a big part of of not getting bored or not taking advantage of the fact that this is your job definitely playing with other musicians because every you know i play a show with the lead guitarist and a bass player that's completely different from the shows i play with just me and my drummer or you know, myself, the drummer and the bass player, or, you know, yeah, yeah it's all sure. different. I am on location in the greater Tampa Bay area with singer, songwriter, guitar player, Frankie Ray. Visit her official website at frankieray.com. There will, of course, be a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And by all means, engage with her on social media. You just heard her talking about Facebook Live. She is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. You heard her talking about her new album, Brave. Her music is streaming on Spotify. However, support Frankie by purchasing downloads of her music from iTunes, or better yet, purchase the physical CD itself at her live shows or from cdbaby.com. If you are in or are going to be in the greater Tampa Bay area, look at frankieray.com to see where and when you can see her perform live. And speaking of dates, we are getting close to June 26th now, which is when my eight-day challenge will begin. I'm going to be teaching you online everything you need to know to start your own podcast from concept to launch. Take advantage of my more than five years in podcasting and everything that I've learned. Register to do the eight-day challenge. It's only 18 bucks and come out of it ready to do your own show. We are recording this episode a few days before registration was set to open. So just look on now here, the social media for details about how to now register for that eight day challenge. Frankie, continuing on with the discussion about your live performances, mm -hmm. you've played at some really cool places multiple times at the Hard Rock in Tampa yeah. for starters. When you get to perform at a place like that, 
the hard rock. Is there a sense of pride that looking back at all the time that you've put in at other places coming up and thinking I've finally arrived? Yes, there definitely, there definitely is a sense of pride um, for the hard rock or even the raise games. I play at some of those. There's definitely, um, I kind of have to stop and look around and, you know, just really appreciate it and take it in. But also the thing about those venues, so the hard rock, um, it's it's very go 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 you know so you can't you know when i play at some other venues it's really relaxed i get to park load up my cart stroll in the hard rock you know you you park along the side of one of the doors but then it's like there's other cars trying to get around you so you got to rush rush you got to go in you have to set up quickly you know they have certain rules about you know what time you need to set up and what time you need to be broken down and they have rules about uh your break times and your set times so while I definitely try to, you know, take a moment to appreciate it, my mind is also just work, 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 go, go, go. You know, sometimes the show's over and I'm like, wow, I just played at the Hard Rock, but I kind of, it was a blur <laughs> because I was thinking about, you know, am I too loud? Or, you know, is this, is the speaker in the right spot? Are they going to, okay. So, yeah, it goes by quick. <laughs> and you have another Hard Rock show coming up? Yes, June 22nd. Nice. Council nice. Oak. And listeners, if you do follow the show on Instagram, I appreciate it. You may have seen a recent photo where I was with the girls from Diamond Dixie. They performed at the Hard Rock. They were the guests on episode 226. If you're not following on Instagram, please do. It's at Now Hear This Entertainment. And if you want to hear the interview, I should say interviews, plural, Diamond Dixie has been on the show twice. Episode 63 was their first time on the show. And then, as I just mentioned, caught back up with them and brought them back on for episode 226. And they per performing at the same hard rock that Frankie is referring to. Frankie, back in the intro, I mentioned that you had been at the Winter NAM show this past January mm-hmm. in California. As many people as you do meet here in the Tampa Bay area, like I was mentioning before, I think NAM probably felt like a whole different world, yes? Yeah, it absolutely did. Again, that was another situation where I was so busy and focused on just everything, the, the size and the people, and that's another thing that goes by very very quickly you know because you're networking but you're also trying to have fun but you're also trying to learn and yeah yeah and it's a place where you're going to meet people that again it keeps this recurring theme throughout the conversation that frankie and i are having of the benefits of getting yourself out of your house and meeting people Mm -hmm. whether it is in your local area extended i mean frankie's been mentioning some places that listeners if you're not in our area you're probably not familiar with places like port ritchie or maybe even bradenton but these are all Tampa Bay and beyond, but to go all the way out to California, now you're going to meet people that you could play 31 times in a 30-date month and never meet the people that you're going to meet at NAM. so yeah. there's lots of benefits of, of going out to an event like that. Absolutely, yeah, and um, this year I was able to meet a lot more musicians that I got to watch them perform. I went to um, a couple, well, one showcase in particular, it was all fingerstyle guitar, and I'd never been to a finger style guitar show. So I said, okay, let's go check it out. And I was just, I was blown away, you know, and I introduced myself to most people there and it was just meeting other musicians and seeing their life. And, you know, and now we still connect through social media. One of them is going to be coming here in the next few months for a tour. And he reached out to me and he, I'm actually going to bring him on to some of my shows nice, here. Nice. Yeah. And I believe that when you were out there, 
that you got an unexpected opportunity to perform when you were in California. Yeah, I did in Anaheim, uh, the fifth in Anaheim, right by Disneyland. Um, I was, they had an artist showcase. So each artist got about maybe a 30 minute set, um, all, all original music, of course. So I was able to go play, go play there. My do one of my duo partners that I went with, he, um, was doing research online. I don't know how he found it, but he said, Hey Frankie, uh, this, I think this place is looking for musicians for a show. We should do it. So I contacted him and yeah. It was great. Yeah, he got right back with me and said, okay, it's, yeah. And, and 30 <laughs> minutes is nothing to sneeze at. You, know, you yeah. hear people that'll say, well, I only got to get up there and do three songs, or sometimes I only got to do two songs. And to do 30 minutes all original, yeah. that's, that's what someone like you is looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Listeners, you've been hearing me say that Frankie is a guitar player, and if you've been listening to this show regularly, you know that that's my instrument, too. I play a guitar from the good people at Boulder Creek Guitars which is what country star Lee Bryce plays. Larry Gatlin plays Boulder Creek. Players from Fleetwood Mac and Three Doors Down. The list goes on. If you're an up-and-coming artist, I strongly suggest that you go back and listen to episode 241 of this show with Jeff Stramitz. He is a regular gigging musician just like you, a multi-instrumentalist actually, and he gives out real good advice on that episode of how to approach companies like Boulder Creek Guitars, for example, when you're trying to ask for a sponsorship or an endorsement. And the reason that he's able to give you that insight is because he's also the CEO of Boulder Creek Guitars, which means that he also talks on that episode about why their instruments are so unique. That's NHTE episode 241. I'll put a link to it from the show page for this episode. And then also check out bouldercreekguitars.com. It's B-O-U-L-D-E-R, bouldercreekguitars.com. And if you're to the point in your career, by the way, where you even want to have a conversation about them custom building a guitar for you, write to me at podcast at nhte.net, and I will personally connect you with Jeff Stramitz. Frankie, we're almost out of time, but mm -hmm. before I ask you about the other song of yours that we're going to play, let's tie everything all together now. You have also played at Songwriters Festivals. I'm, for whatever reason, thinking specifically of the Key Largo Original mm -hmm. Music Festival. Those events, obviously, are a whole different animal since you get to play just your original songs. But talk about the offstage stuff that you have experienced at Songwriters Festival, meaning getting to meet other songwriters and talk with each other about the craft. Um, I learned a lot about different booking techniques in different areas. Mm. That That's an interesting one because I... When I played, so for example, last year when I played at the Key Largo Festival, I was um, just trying to put some of my feelers out there and say, well, I'd like to do a, you know, a small tour in this area in the future. And they said, yeah, well, music down here is booked kind of differently. I was talking to some of the, you know, other musicians that have played locally in the area. Um, so they do appreciate more original music, I guess. They said they don't, a lot of these restaurants don't want you to come in and just sing Wagon Wheel or, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that was interesting to hear of. Just, I guess there's a different idea. I, I, I don't know. It's almost like different cities have their own little personalities with regards to music and the kind of music you hear out there. So over there, it's original music and um, a lot of just tropical beach music, which, and of I'm, course, I'm fascinated Largo. to hear you even giving this answer, period, because I thought you were going to say, yeah, I learned a lot about some songwriting stuff that I never thought of. And to right out of the gate, start answering that question with, I learned about booking. Yeah. I think that people go to songwriters festivals as songwriters thinking, I'm going to find other people that maybe I'll connect with someone and, and write with. And instead you're saying, yeah. well, you could 
learn other stuff from them too. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm at the point now, you know, where I'm wanting to get out to cities that are even farther away from the greater Tampa Bay area. I'm wanting to, you know, do maybe a small weekend tour in another city. So when I go to these festivals in different cities, I'm not just thinking about the songwriting aspect and meeting other artists, which is that's very important too. But I'm also thinking, how does the music business work in this area? Because it's different in a lot of areas. You know, some cities have you know, two or three agencies that just kind of book all of the local stuff. Or there's other cities where they don't really have that. So there's a lot of but things. But it's also learn. important, like you said, that you don't want to start calling upon a place thinking, oh, wait until they hear how much I perform and that I've got so many cover songs that I've got more than they need to know. And it turns out they actually have an emphasis on original music. Yeah. So it could actually backfire <laughs> on you if you don't do your research. And here you are. Yeah. That someone's already done the homework for you by talking to other songwriters. Yeah. They're saying, well, let me tell you what goes on here in case you do want to come down here and yeah, perform. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can't just waltz into a city and think you're going to just wow a venue just because you wow them back home. You know, that culture might be different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we are going to close today with the title track from your new album, a song called Brave. So you started to go there before, but before we let you go now, tell the listeners all about this song. Yeah, this song, um, I wrote it after the tragic event in Orlando, um, the Pulse shooting. Um, I wrote it kind of after that. I kind of wanted to write, you know, a song that was beyond relationships and, you know, personal experiences. I wanted to write a song about just... You know, there are so many awful things that happen in the world and a lot of people get discouraged and they say, oh, well, you know, what's happening these days? This wasn't like this when I was a kid. The world's, you know, in turmoil and there's so many awful things happening. Um, But I think it's important to just keep the hope, too, and realize that, you know, if we work together, we can overcome a lot of the social injustices that we face. So that's kind of what that song is about. Is that something that you're maybe telling yourself you want to do more of meaning write songs about, I don't want to say current events, but in other words, something that is real and is now. It's not like you say, just though the concept of relationships. Yeah. Um, I'm actually working on a new song now. Um, The working title is like Theodora, but Theodora was, um, she was from the Byzantine empire and she was an, an empress, but she was, pretty much one of the first women's rights activists and that was in the 500s she was actually passing a lot of laws to kind of you know get the women out of you know certain situations that they were in so um so i'm kind of writing a song based on that it's kind of like a you know women's rights anthem (laughs) that i'm kind of working on well and this is making me think of back on episode 115 i interviewed gypsy soul it's a duo act and There was a quote from that episode that I always hung on to where the quote was, I think classic 60s and 70s protest songs, I think those are not as prevalent as they used to be. And that's I think that's the job of an artist is to comment on things that are going on in the world and get people thinking about them. End quote. I I need to stick that in there. That was said by Roman Morricutt and... It was a real eye-opener when he said that because I thought, yeah, you know, I wonder if maybe people are taking kind of the easy way out these days and saying, Mm -hmm. I don't want to put something out there that's maybe a little too controversial, where back in the day, there were artists that were happy to do commentaries on things that need attention. And, and, you know, you're saying, like, here this tragic shooting happens in Orlando, Mm -hmm. and you're so close to it geographically, Mm -hmm. that's like, well... I got something to want to say about that. Yeah, absolutely. 
there's probably other subjects out there that you say, you know, I think I have something to say about this too. And I'm a recording artist. Why can't I put something out there about it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to, to realize the things that are going on in your environment and finding a way to, you know, through me, it's through music, but it could be through painting or writing or whatever. But yes, so many people do take the easy way out and just write about, you know, oh, let's just write another love song. People relate to that. That sells. It's like, well, it's not just about what sells. <laughs> well, yeah, because then you get back to, are you writing something that other people want to hear or is it something that really means something to you and something that you would want to listen to? So which route are you going as a songwriter? Are you just trying to write a hit that'll end up on the radio? Yeah. Or are you writing something that you say, you know what, I don't really care if this is what society wants me to write. This is what I feel. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to write about. Absolutely. I'm stealing this a little bit, by the way, from episode 268 with Arbor Season where Shane was saying that that's what he and Emily have decided to do is that Arbor Season is now just writing music that is what they want to write about. Mm -hmm. It's what they feel that they would listen to if they were purchasing music. And he made the statement on that episode that we're done trying to write a hit that's going to end up on the radio. It's more about what pleases us. And I think that's what you're saying is you're starting to see more that there's things I want to comment on and if it ends up on the radio, awesome, but that's not why I'm writing it. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you have to stay humble to, to your roots. Why are you doing this in the first place? If you're doing it, just get on the radio. It's like, well, you know, it, chances are your song probably won't last as long because it's just going to be a one-hit wonder, which I see a lot of now. You hear a song, and it's it's the hot thing for a few months, and then it disappears, and it's like, oh, whatever happened to those guys? Like, that's happening so much now, more than, you know, I've experienced or, you know, I've done a lot of listen to a lot of different genres of music from all different areas of of the of life you know timeline and it's definitely that the music that meant something to the artist usually those songs last longer they become timeless hits well yeah and we're living in an age now with as evidenced by this show where there are podcasts there are internet radio stations there's so many places where you can get your music placed and the people who need to hear it are going to find it yeah. they're going to it's going to end up somewhere that where you can impact someone instead of putting all your eggs into the radio basket saying yeah. i hope someone hears it there well hoping someone hears it there you're skipping over the part of how you even going to get it placed on radio to begin with and then as a podcaster selfishly i would argue there's less people listening to radio nowadays anyway yeah. so <laughs> absolutely i i agree <laughs> Yeah. Well, Frankie, this is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, Glad that we you. finally were able to get you on <laughs> and congrats on all your success. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I don't know how you're doing it with, with all the live shows, but <laughs> it's you. wonderful. Thank you. You bet. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player, Frankie Ray. Do visit her official website at frankieray.com. As I mentioned before, there will be a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then engage with her on social media. So that means like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Stream Frankie's music and follow her on Spotify. Sure, that's great. But support her by purchasing downloads of her music from iTunes or buying physical units. Her CDs are available at her live shows as well as through cdbaby.com. And as I said earlier, if you are in or are going to be in the greater Tampa Bay area, look at frankieray.com to see where and when you can go see her perform live. I look forward to seeing you online starting June 26th 
for my eight-day challenge, teaching you everything you need to know to launch your own podcast. This is episode 279 of NHTE, and coupled with some other shows, I am close to 350 podcast episodes that I've done in more than five years. So take advantage of all that I've learned over that time. Benefit from all the speaking that I do at podcasting events around the country, and all of this will be right from the comfort of your own home, regardless of where you live. Look at now here this social media for details on how to register for the eight-day challenge and sign up so that come June 26th, you're ready for me to take you from concept to launch for your podcast idea. In the meantime, thank you ever so much for listening to episode 279. We'll send you out with another song from Frankie Ray. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Brave. Every